when it is. I love this church. I love the pastoral staff. If you ever want to get rid of that kid pastoring you, call me. Very few churches I would like to pastor. But this is one of them. I love to minister and feel the Spirit of God here with you. It's a great church. You have a great pastor. It's a pleasure to have all of you here. Is my brother-in-law here yet? Not yet. Maybe he'll be here for the second service. Good to have a very special family here with us today. When I went into the service, there was 49 Cajuns joined with me. When we got to Texas, you should have heard how they pronounced the names. <laughs> Gramillion, the Bodiac, Hebert. I mean, just amazing. So we have the Texas, we call them the, the Bodiacs. Here, I think you'd call them Tipitos. Good to have Carol and Peggy and Keith, great friends, great part of the ministry for a long, long time. And I want to accept, expect, uh, express my appreciation to you who have also been a great part of what we do in Mexico. We indeed have a tremendous amount of projects. I'm building a brand new church in the very northern part of Mexico, just crossing from Texas into uh, Mexico, just started a new church. Have a church under construction in the mountains of Chiapas right now. A little bit later on this year, a few more weeks, I'll be on the Belize border where we'll be building another church from one end of Mexico to the other. And so I thank you. Uh, we have a lot of expenses. Just the medical, not counting all the churches, not counting all the overhead, not counting any of that. Just the medical is 48000 a year. Do you know what? That's not my problem. When I talked to a pastor with a poor, poor area, I said, what happens when these people get sick? He said, they die. I said, well, I'm going to build a clinic. We're going to stop that dying, little kids dying. Amen. So, I, I never ask for an offering, and I'm not asking for it right now. If you need it more than I, put it on that new building. God has supplied every need we've ever needed in 35 years. I can't take any credit, any glory, anything. God has supplied it. I want to show you in just a moment. A few slides. Now, mind you, we build many, many, many churches. We'll probably build 12 to 15 every year. But I'm going to show you a few pictures because you have been a part of every building that you're going to see here. You have been a part of it. Typical family has been a part of it. Family life has been a part of it. I'm not going to comment on them. Hold it right there. I'm not going to comment on these pictures because I'm going to preach a message and then I'm going to show them to you again at the end 
of the service and comment on them. I want you to look at these churches. Thank you. You can cut that thing off. Every one of those buildings you've been a part of. And beyond that, we build so many, so many in Mexico. I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Keith, I almost needed you. If you notice, I walked back to Keith and I said, Keith, if I need you, I'm on a motion. I was having another attack on this left leg until just before time to come up. Continue to pray that God enable me to continue to do what I do. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm I, well, I'm not as old as you think I am. I'm really not. God being my witness, I was in the service in vestibule area about three weeks ago. Young man, his family, it has a little 10-year-old daughter. So we're just talking and having a great time waiting for the service to start. I go to church. I go from their home. Two weeks later, he calls me. He's riding with that same little girl to go see one of the oldest military men still alive. So he's driving along, and he says, Lexus, we're going to go see the oldest man alive. And she looked at him and said, well, what about Brother Larry? (laughs) That's the gospel truth of a 10-year-old. I don't like her at all. I'm going to preach something I want you to hold on to. You have hopes. You have desires. You have visions. There are many things that you want in life. I want, in this message, I want you to get the message. I want you to hold on to whatever your desire is until you see the evidence of that hope. Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 1, in the New, uh, New King James, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I like the old uh, King James. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Have you ever, you're a, how many hunters do we have here? Have you ever gone out to duck hunt early before daylight? You're sitting by the pool. Maybe you're sitting in a little blind and, and you, you're waiting. And after a while, the sun comes up and there's no ducks. And then you sit there another hour and there's not a duck. At about 9 o'clock, you're aggravated. You're disgusted. And you just lay your gun down and you just stand up. I'm leaving. And about that time, If you're a hunter, that's happened to you before. Or you're sitting in your deer blind, and again, daylight comes. That's when you're supposed to shoot deer. Eight o'clock comes, you're supposed to finish shooting deer at eight o'clock. Nine o'clock comes, there is no deer. So you go get up to leave, and you see the white flash of the tail is gone. My message today is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Until faith arrives. Hold on. Do not give up. You want it in Spanish? You want it in French? Or is English okay? 
do not give up. Hold on to whatever your desire is, your vision, your hope. Hold on to that until, until the evidence of what you've hoped for arrives. And then you stand on that. Now, there's a lot of difference between hope and faith. You say they're the same thing. Well, I don't believe so. Anybody can have hope. Atheists have hope. Farmers have hope in the springtime. We hope for rain to be able to plant. In the fall, we hope it doesn't rain to be able to harvest. You have a job. They announced next week we're going to lay off 20 people. You hope you're not one of those 20 people. Hope has fear, doubt, unbelief. You're not sure. That's hope. Anybody can have, uh, a non-believer can have hope. We all can have hope, but only those who know God can have faith. You have to know who you are standing on and trusting, and there is no ifs, there is no buts, there is no maybes, there is no perhaps, there is nothing but absolute sure that God is going to be God. So I just want to clear that up. You say, that's your opinion. Well, I'm old enough to have an opinion, if you have any doubt about that. Bible said, obey your elders. I don't see anybody older than me in this whole place. (laughs) But I'm going to go beyond that because I am going to prove to you by the word of God the difference between hope and faith. Now, I know you've got desires. I know you do. I know some of you have some big desires. Some of you, your desires is my desire, and we've been praying with you for a long time. We're not going to give up. We're going to hold on to what our desire and our hope is until faith arrives, and then we're going to stand on that faith. I want you to go. I'm going to read a few scriptures. I rarely do this. Normally, I just read a text, and I start preaching. But I feel like I need to read you some scripture. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14 and 6. 1 Samuel 14 and 6. The young man sitting right here is on the staff here, young preacher, and I've, I've often wondered, why does God waste so much youth on kids, you know? It could have saved a little bit aside for us that a little bit gray-headed. But I want you to remember this because you will preach it. Here is a problem, a big problem. There are Philistines, so many, 30,000 chariots. Just imagine just the 30,000, 6,000 horsemen. And people, the Bible said, as the sand of the sea, as Far as you could see, there were the Philistines coming against the Israelites. Now, they were on both sides of this valley, like, and there was a crevice going up each side. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, you remember the story? Jonathan says to his armor bearer, why don't we go across 
to these uncircumcised Philistines. I want to read you something. Jonathan did not have the faith to fight the Philistines. He had hope, but he wasn't sure. This is what he said. First Samuel 14 and 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. Is that faith? That's hope. That's maybe. Perhaps, maybe, let's go. Maybe God will work for us. Everybody can have a maybe or a perhaps. But it takes a child of God to stand on the faith and say, let's go over there. God has given them into our hands. Reads on down and he said, if they say to us, we'll expose ourselves. And if they say, come up, then we know the Lord has given them into our hands. But you've got that one period of time that you don't know. There's doubt there. If, he says, if they say, there is no ifs. There is no ifs in faith. It's absolute. You don't go to the mountain and say, perhaps, I will say to that mountain, perhaps it'll be, that's not what the Bible said. Say to the mountain, be gone, and it will be gone in faith. Faith is sure. Faith is absolute. Faith, there is no doubt. Faith, there is no fear. Hope, there is. But faith, there is not. And so, they go and expose themselves. The Philistines said, come up, we're going to talk to you about a few things. Jonathan turns to his armor bearer and said, there it is. That's when faith arrived. When he heard from God. When, the, when the, the fleece was answered, come up, we'll show you a, a thing through. Then on hands and knees, they struggled. The Bible said climbing on hands and feet, just climbing up the mountain. And in about, uh, in the space of a few minutes, 20 people in an area, of the, a half of an acre, they slaughtered 20 people. I'm talking about when faith arrived. Now, when they heard the voice of the Philistine, come up, we'll show you something. That's when it was no longer hope. That's when Daniel knew the answer was on the way. And he waded into that and he slaughtered 20 people. And about that time, the whole mountain began to shake and tremble. The earth began to just shake everywhere. The Philistines turned on one another, began to kill one another. The, the, the cowards, the Israelites who had hid in mountains and caves and crossed the river, all of a sudden they came in. But it came, the faith came when Jonathan heard the voice of the fleece that he had laid out. That's the difference in hope and when you are assured. When you are, he waded into 30,000 chariots with nothing but his armor that the armor bearer was, ca- was carrying. You can do it when you know God. You can do it when you are absolutely sure. You can do it without fear when you are absolutely positive. But you hold on to hope until that assurance comes. Let's go a little bit further. I love the Hebrew children. 
great people. Daniel chapter 3. I've heard preachers talk about the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What powerful young men, unwilling to bow down to the Babylonian king. What, what powerful faith these young men had. They didn't have any faith at all. They had no faith whatsoever. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to read you a verse of scripture. Verse 17, Daniel 3. They're about to be thrown into this furnace. They are about to die unless God intervenes. Even the men who, who, who pushed them into the furnace, they died because of the heat of the fire. Here they are about to be fried. And this is what he said in verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if he does not, you're walking into a blazing fire to die, and there is no ifs or no buts about it. If you have the faith, they had hope. They had hope. They said, we know he's able to. We know our God that we serve is able to. And if he doesn't, we're not going to serve your God. But there was some ifs and some buts about it. So you hold on to that. You go into the fire. Your, your, your troubles that you're facing, the, 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 the the enemy is trying to destroy you. All that, that you've been praying for and holding on to, you go in there holding on. But in a little while, faith arrived. Nebuchadnezzar looked down there and said, whoa, I thought we threw three in. There's four of them. They're not bound. They're walking around in the fire. And I'll tell you what, Shaq. One of them looked just like the son of the gods. That's when faith arrived. Hold on to hope in the midst of your trouble. When you're trying to be healed, when you're trying to be blessed, when you're trying to get your family back together, when you're trying to make your marriage work, when you're praying for your child that's going astray, hold on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hold on. Hold on until faith arrives. And then you stand on that faith knowing that you're going to walk out of that furnace without even the smell of smoke on your clothes. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope for whatever God has said he's going to do for you. Hold on to hope until the evidence of what you've hoped for arrives. I want to go somewhere else. Rarely do I do this. Let's go to Acts 27. Acts 27. I'm going to show you a man that had powerful faith. We preach him all the time. The Apostle Paul. What a great man of faith the Apostle Paul was. But he didn't always have absolute faith. Sometimes all he had to hold on to was hope. Let me show you in the Bible. Acts 27. 
Verse 10. This is what Paul said. He's on his way to Rome. He's on his way to be, to be judged. He's on his way to die. This is what he says in verse 10, Acts 27 and 10. And he said to them, me and I perceive that this voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss. Not only to the cargo and the ship, but to our lives also. Paul had hopes that they could make it, but he didn't have the assurance. He said, our lives also were in great danger. But he was hoping, hoping, and holding on to hope. So let's go on the same chapter a little bit further. Down about 10 more verses, down to verse 20. Now, they were buffeted by storm after storm after storm. I've been in some of those storms. On the Missouri River, my boat was sunk. I mean, level, motor under the water. I'm a Cajun boy in the middle of that North Dakota state. I looked out, my boat's level with the top of the water. And I'm like that boy in, 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 in Jacob Dordor. When I was preaching for him right out of Kippito. And he said, folks, he said, tomorrow we're going to. We're going to, our youth, we're going to meet in Tipido, and then we're going to situate ourselves from there. I mean, that's Cajun now. So I'm sitting there. My boat is under the water, so I needed to situate myself from there. <laughs> but I had hope. I didn't know how I was going to survive that. 78 miles I'm going to have to paddle with, with my boat without a motor on a Missouri River at flood stage, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there one time, much less two times. So I start paddling. I start paddling. I paddled for two hours, and I've gone two miles. I've got seven or six more miles to go. And that dumb storm comes right back. You know, sometimes whatever you're hoping for, you have wave after wave of wave after wave of opposition, of doubt, continuing, continuing. Don't give up. Don't give up. You hold on. You hold on. You hold on. I held on, and I happened to see a boat, a guy fishing alone, crossing the little old slough that I was in. I, oh, Lord, there's my faith. There's my faith. And so he towed me on down the river, got some pliers, cleaned the boat out, and I situated myself from there. But you don't give up. You understand? You hear me today? Do you hear me? You don't give up. You don't stand up and say there's not going to be a duck to shoot. You sit there until there is no absolute way that a duck's going to come. Okay? Hold on to hope until faith arrives. Let's go on down a little bit further in that same chapter. Verse 20. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small storm was assailing us. From then on, Luke is writing. He's writing, he uses the word all. From then on, all hope was gradually abandoned. That I pray we never see from this church, from this ministry, from this congregation. You hold on to hope. Do not abandon what you're hoping for until the answer comes. And then stand on the evidence when it does come. You're quiet. 
A lot of you come from Catholic. I believe you're on your way back. A lot of you come from Church of Christ. I know you're on your way back. You hold on to hope. Hold on to hope until you see the faith arrive. And then you stand on it, knowing, knowing without a doubt, without a fear, you know. And I love Catholics and I love Church of Christ. I do. I love them, especially those who donate to the ministry. I love those people. (laughs) But I'm trying to make a point to you. You just don't give up. You don't give up. You do not give up. Now, Luke says all hope was abandoned. Then Paul, who had never been really firm, Paul stand up. He said, wait a minute. I have an announcement to talk to you about. I got an announcement to tell you. This night, an angel of the Lord, of the God whom I serve, that angel stood before me, whom I belong to and whom I serve. And he said, Paul, there will not be a single life loss. You hold on to hope until you hear from the voice of God. And then you stand on that message. Paul said, I believe God that it will happen exactly as I have been told. And not even one life on this boat will be lost. That's going from hope to absolute assurance, absolute faith. And he stood on that and not a life was lost. Hold on to hope. I'll read you one more. And then I want to show you, talk to you about some of those pictures. Here's one that's more precious than any of them. Turn with me. First Thessalonians chapter four. You probably never heard it preached on, but you've heard it in every funeral that you've ever been in. These words of scripture. Paul is writing. He says in verse 13, chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, among those who are asleep, about those who are asleep, that you grieve not as the rest who have no hope. You see, I do not know for sure that there's going to be a resurrection from the dead. I haven't died yet. Some of you would be surprised to hear that. But I have every hope that there will be a resurrection of the dead. And so I hold on to that hope. You see, life is short. And for some of us, it's even shorter than that. We are going to die. You, you, you announced two people, I think, that passed away when we were praying. We are going to die. But what happens after that? I do not know. You say you have faith. I have a lot of hope. I hope. I hope that what I preach all my life is the truth. I hope to be able to experience that. I hope that there is a heaven. I hope that there's an eternity. I hope that there's a resurrection. But the scripture said, let me read it to you. 
in the same chapter. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and my hope will turn to faith. When he appears in the clouds, it will no longer be hope. There will no longer be an if, there will no longer be a doubt. When I behold my Lord standing in the clouds of glory, my faith will be assured. My resurrection will be assured. My eternity will be assured. What I believe will come to pass. I'm holding on to hope until I have the evidence of what I've hoped for. You follow me? I want to go back to the pictures now, if you will allow me to. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history about this. You'll understand the message better. See that church right there? I want you to hold those for a little while. You see that church? It's a little rinky-dinky, little small church, half-finished. I mean, poor in the state of of Chiapas, Tuxla. Poor, poor, poor. You know, poor people have poor ways. And I've been one of those. I am one of those poor people. I have poor ways until I go out to eat with the tippodos. And then, shall I got the faith then. <laughs> I got the man with the pen. You think Obama's the only one that has that pen on the telephone? Shall you look back there? I'm going to show you one. <laughs> I ordered big. And Mary Lou ordered bigger than me. A little rinky-dinky church with no funds whatsoever, living from Sunday to Sunday. How in the world would they ever hope to have a church? We had an evangelist there, an American. At the end of the service, we'd, we'd bought a little piece of property. At the end of the service, he said, let's go out. In the middle of the night, about 10, 11 o'clock, he said, I want you to take one blade of grass and put it in your Bible. That's your new church. Well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm a Cajun because in Texas, they're stupid. That blade of grass is not my church. I need some zeros behind some numbers on a check. I did that. I... Pulled a blade of grass. I kept it in my Bible until that church was finished. I gave it to Carlos. He has it framed in his office, that piece of grass. That's all that we had was hope. 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 It took over 1,000 yards of uh, truckload, not yards, 1,000 truckloads of, of, of dirt to level that enough to build a church on. Then we had to go all the way down through that field to the solid ground. I put $100,000 and then covered it up. 
in the foundation. Man, that, that hurts. You want to see your $100,000. It's all under the ground. $100,000. Holding on to a blade of grass. Holding on to hope. Holding on to hope. Let me just fast forward that. In November, the first of, uh, uh, week of November, there were more than 200 credentialed ministers of the word of God stretched across in the front of that church from nothing but a blade of grass to a beautiful church without a debt with a hundred, with 200 plus ministers. Don't tell me, don't tell me you don't, you have to have a faith. I had no faith. I had nothing, but I had a whole lot of hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. If it's nothing more than a blade of grass, hold on to it until faith arrives. Either God is blessing me or my watch is broke once because it ain't moving very fast. Let's go to the next picture. How do you like that one? You see those rocks on the driveway? I carried those all out of the river in the back of my pickup truck. When I built that, there was no family life supporting me. There were no tippidos supporting me. There was nobody but me. I lived in a shed on the backside of a dump. I bathed in a water bucket. Did I have faith? How could I have faith? But I had a ton of hope. I would leave Mary Lou crying, standing in the front door, because I had no money to leave with her. But I had hope. I had hope. God, I have hope. I have hope, God. Well, now I want you to look at that beautiful church. By the side of it, there's a hospital there. Keith, have you been to Atoyak? You hold on to hope. Now I drive in. I've got all the faith I need because that's the evidence of what I had hoped for. That was the time that I had nobody to stand with me. No church stood with me. Not even a Sunday school class would invite me to speak. I was totally, totally alone. Mary Lou did not understand what in the world this Cajun boy was doing. But I had hope. I had hope. I never loosed hope. I never turned it loose. And little by little, God began to bring it together. And now it's a gorgeous, beautiful church. And you're a part of it because you came in and helped me. It took a long time to build that. And I thank you for it. Hold on to hope. And I'll go on. Let me uh, touch a couple of more things, and then, then I'll close it out. Let's go to the next one. How do you like that? You see where that building is? Me and Keith was there in tents. Keith Tippett, the Bodiac. There was nothing like that. We had a mud church, took canes. Crossed them like that, threw mud in it, smoothed it on down, and a grass roof. But we had a hope. We had hope. How can you build something like that when you're an indigenous Indian? I mean, they're not Mexican. There is no job. 
How can you even dare to dream of having something like that? But they did. They did. They held on 25 years. You think you've been waiting a long time? 25 years they held on to their hope. January was dedicated. Pastor was hoping for a wife. He came to me and he said, Brother Larry, I'm getting married. I want you to be at the wedding. I said, what day is it? He told me, I said, I can't. You have to. Look, I can't. I'm booked. You have to. I am booked. I cannot be here. But you have to. He said, you're my father. You're my spiritual dad. I was 17 when you came. I had nothing but a hope that I would have a nice church and be married. I said, I'll be there. I'll cancel everything. And I was there. And that's his church. From mud to that. Don't tell me you don't serve a God. You can hope. You can hope. You say, but I don't have your faith. You don't have to have my faith. You can have my hope. My hope. My hope. Let me go a little bit further. I'll wrap it up today sometime. Give me another one. How about that little video rinky-dink place? That's in Monterey. I built a church for this man. It was so narrow with houses on each side. When we, it grew a little bit, we had to go to a second floor to have it big enough. And then it didn't last. Didn't last. Monterey. Ramiro. Ramiro Alvarez. In case you want to speak a little Spanish. He said, I'll wait. I will wait. I will hope. That's his church now. Seat about 3,500. There's no indebtedness. How did it happen? It happened when hope turned to faith and people contributed from the U.S., contributed and took care of that need. Hold on to hope. Is there another one? Can you see the little red stairs going up in the middle? Those of you who get my newsletter, years ago, I wanted to build a stadium. And so all I had was that stairwell going up. And I sent my, at that picture in my newsletter. I said, this is my stadium. <laughs> you crazy, crazy Cajun. That's not a stadium. It's not, not but about six foot wide. But now you know the rest of the story. Every, April, every other April, there will be 5,000 that will gather there who did not know Jesus when you invited me here, when you started supporting me. And now that's only what few it will hold. It's not counting the multitudes that couldn't make it. Hold on to hope until faith arrives. One more shot, maybe? That's the little clinic. That's the little clinic in Tuxland. I sat there with a pastor of a little old rinky-dink church, had one leg, fell under the train, cut his leg off. Had a cardboard church with a, with a, a dirt floor. A poor people. Poor people everywhere around him. And I said, what happens when the poor people, the kids die? He, oh, when they get sick, 
He said, they die. I, these are the words, so help me God. I said, well, I'm thinking about building a clinic for them. I don't know if I ate too many beans or if that's hope moving in my spirit. He said, brother, it's not the beans. So that little building, two-story, with the equipment, was $200,000. It's paid for. Three doctors, medical doctors, examination tables can work at one time. Two dentists can work at one time. Eye doctors can work there. We have it all, the best equipment. You had a lot of faith? No, I, didn't, I had a lot of hope. But now I've got the evidence. I can, I can walk in there with faith now because the evidence has arrived. You hold on to hope. Is that the last one? Everybody, if that's the last one you want to say amen, amen. Okay, stand with me. Pastor Todd, come, please. I hope that I've given you some encouragement to hold on to your desire, to your vision, and don't turn it loose. Don't stand up just about the time that all those mallards and teals are going to light in front of you. Don't stand up in time to see the white tail of the deer. Hold on, hold on until you get the evidence, and then you stand on that faith.